So the United States just topped 200,000 deaths due to COVID, which brings us to a, a perfect moment in order to reflect on what has happened, to look at how we're dealing with this, and um, to really dig into the details of what's out there. Because there are details that are available to the public, and details are important. The question remains, uh, what are we to do about this virus? What have we done? Has it worked? What should we do in the future? And ultimately, a very legitimate question, is the cure worse than the disease? Uh, So asked. So let's look at that. Of the 200,000 deaths, an estimated 40% have been in nursing homes. Now, it was was 43% back in June. It's dropped a little bit um, uh, because we're treating people differently and we're treating folks in nursing homes differently. However, that number is still skewed uh, south due to the fact that New York has refused to release all of their numbers. In fact, New York is the only state out of all 50 that um, does not count individuals who lived in nursing homes but took an ambulance to a hospital before death as nursing home deaths. They don't count those as nursing home deaths, even though they originated there. The only state. Um, uh, Something tells me there's a reason that they were trying to manipulate the data a little bit, because things would look even worse than they do already. So let's just use the, I mean, we can use the number 40%. It's probably a little bit more because there are some some uncounted folks. Um, 40% of the 200,000. Now, we look at the rest of the deaths, and there are uh, factually reported instances of individuals who did not have COVID that were still classified as being COVID deaths. People even in car accidents, you can find this. Outside of those cases, um, it is widely reported. First off, let's just start with this. Never in the history of Western modern medicine have we categorized deaths with regard to infectious infectious disease as we are this disease. Um, We have never classified deaths as being primarily from this infectious disease when, in fact, there were multiple serious comorbidities uh, with the individuals. I mean, we're talking about... (laughs) We're talking about comorbidities such as cancer, um, obviously heart disease, diabetes, all of these number one, number two, number three killers in the United States. We've never classified infectious disease in this way. So you're having folks who may very well have COVID who are dying, but are not dying from the virus. And if they had the flu last year, it would not have been classified as dying from the flu. That's important. That, that's that's a fact. That's just how scientifically, medically, we've dealt with disease. And so because of that, there are inflated numbers. We also look at tests and the fact that tests, especially now with these PCR tests, I mean, you have people who, ha- who actually invented, were at the forefront of the current test being used, saying um, how widely inaccurate it is at this level the number of revolutions they're doing, uh, upwards of 50% of false positives. 
So you also have the case, naturally, that there are people who are, you know, listed as having COVID and then dying who maybe never actually did have coronavirus. So we have folks that maybe never had coronavirus. We have folks that did, but that's not what they died from. They had serious comorbidities, um, often multiple of them. And, and importantly, again, medically, last year we would not have classified them as dying from an infectious disease. We would have classified them as dying from one of those comorbidities. And so that 40% quickly becomes something different. Now, the nursing home deaths, that 40%, the vast majority were caused by state intervention. These were not deaths that would have occurred otherwise. Governors, the state, forced the sick into these homes, causing really a pandemic within nursing homes, and all of these deaths to occur. Now you have some states where the nursing home deaths were 70% plus. The vast majority were in these nursing homes. You also take into consideration the fact that on average, the life expectancy of someone within a nursing home is eight months. These are people that are on their way out. Loved ones, um, yes. Hopefully they still have family that visit them. Of course, there are the horror stories that continue of family that can't see their loved ones. Um, but it still remains that, on average, the life expectancy of these folks was eight months. And the vast majority of these deaths were avoidable. On top of that 40% of avoidable deaths are all of these misclassified deaths. And so, I mean, we can easily, reasonably, cut the number in half of the deaths that we have in the United States. 100,000 deaths would be an extremely bad flu season. A very, very bad flu season. Very bad, indeed. But is it something that we shut the entire economy down and lock ourselves in our houses for? The issue of lockdown, lockdown has never been tried. It has never been the way that we handle infectious disease. It was proposed, actually, uh, this, is, this is not some conspiracy. You, you, you trace it back, it's true. It was actually proposed um, through a high school project that then a scientist who was the, d who was the dad, the father, uh, grabbed a hold of, was impressed with, was excited about, moved it up the chain, and here we have it. Um, I would say out of convenience, it provides, you know, unfortunately, science, science as an aside, we're, we're told to respect science um, uh, in, in reverence, like a religion. The problem with that is that science is another piece, piece of our culture. Science, like all things, are made up of humans. Humans are fallible. Uh, humans have bias. And so it doesn't matter what you believe or where you come from or what quote-unquote side you're on, you can't look at science as some uh, religion to behold because it's made up of people. It's part of the culture. Anyway, lockdowns have never been tried. This is the first time that we're doing this. We don't know the effect of a lockdown. 
And the people that were telling us to go into lockdown were infectious disease folks who were looking at models that have since been proven incredibly inaccurate, overwhelmingly inaccurate. By now, millions of people should have died according to those models that are the reason that we went into lockdown. And we didn't go into lockdown for eight months. We went into lockdown for 15 days to slow the spread, to flatten the curve. That was the argument. Based on those models, that's what we were supposed to do. So we have a huge amount of avoidable deaths, folks who, God bless them, were on their way out anyway, according to statistics, and a large amount of deaths that were misclassified. And the CDC, you know, the, the scientific information, says that as far as survival rate is concerned with this virus and with COVID, if you are infected and you're of the age 19 and below, you have a 99.997% chance of survival. If you're 20 to the age of 49, you have a 99.98% chance of survival. If you're from 50 to 70, or if, or if you're 69, rather, you have a 99.5% chance of survival, and 70-plus drops down to 94.6, largely because, A, it's 70-plus, it's so we're talking about 100-year-olds as well, a uh, very large age gap, and, or age range, and we're dealing with all of those folks who were in the nursing homes where sick uh, were forced upon them, where their life expectancy was very low, and again, in some states, this is 70% plus of the deaths. So the CDC tells us that the infectious survival rate is very favorable. We dig into the data, and we see that the deaths that are attributed to COVID are very different than that number that has flashed before us that started this conversation, the 200,000. Details paint a very different picture. Now let's look at the cure. Let's look at what we've done. Let's look at the effects of the lockdown. Because again, the lockdown was put in place never been done before, by a very acute group of individuals who were basing their actions and their recommendations off of models that, again, uh, no debate, have been proven to be vastly inaccurate. Okay? Okay. Now, in the meantime, because of lockdown, we have tens of thousands of excess deaths in heart disease, diabetes, dementia, suicide, etc. People were afraid to go to the hospital. You had 266, uh, this is probably an outdated number at this point, hospitals furloughing workers in response. Um, you had uh, many hospitals going completely uh, bankrupt and under. Um, these are hospitals, you know, I if they're going under, they're not in the cities, they're not the big hospitals, they're the, the hospitals out there where people need them desperately, because if those hospitals don't exist, they're driving 
hours to get to the next one. Those are the ones going under. You talk about caring about people. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's what this is about. This is about caring about people. I'm looking around the world, and I want us to care about people. Okay? Um, there was an estimated 27,000 U.S. COVID deaths uh, listed with diabetes as a comorbidity. What's not accounted for are all of those folks who didn't go to the hospital, who didn't get their treatment, whether it was diabetes or heart disease, heart attacks, scared of calling an ambulance, etc. An estimated 70,000 cancer screenings that were missed. Those deaths are going to be popping up for years to come. Okay. Uh, New York Times estimated 1.4 million tuberculosis deaths worldwide because of the lockdown. We talk about the effect worldwide. Look at the numbers from the UN. 130 million people at risk of starvation because of COVID lockdowns. 150 million people, according to the World Bank, who are being forced into extreme poverty because of the lockdowns worldwide. So, unfortunately, like almost everything, this becomes political. It it somehow becomes left and right. And the left are the ones who care about people and don't want people to die, and the right are people who want people to die, don't care, they don't want to wear their mask. Um, They're horrible people. Well, to the folks on the left who are taking the position of caring about people who don't want them to die, if you have a bleeding heart, that's who I'm speaking to right now. Folks on the right, they're listening. They nod their heads. Um, you know, whatever. <laughs> Folks on the left, please listen. Okay? Listen to, not me, listen to the UN. Listen to the New York Times. Listen to the World Bank. Listen to the WHO. Listen to the CDC. Think about the 130 million in risk of starvation, the 150 million uh, being forced into the extreme poverty. Think about the uh, excess of 2 million deaths from tuberculosis, malaria, and HIV over the next five years, according to the New York Times. 385,000 malaria excess deaths. These are not the rich Republicans that you hate so much that won't wear masks. These are the people that you have a bleeding heart for. These are the folks in third world countries that are not getting treated right now because of these lockdowns. These are estimations not from, you know, whatever right-wing media may exist. These are from your people. These are the people that I am listening to, and I am pleading with you to listen to. So on top of that, the starvation, the poverty, I mean, you look at world poverty estimates— and I think I think you know we we've been slowly, uh, slowly decreasing world poverty. I think by about two percent a year. I could be off on that. And I think it's estimated that somewhere around seven point five percent increase in global poverty this year, because of lockdowns. Who do you think that affects? It's affecting those least off. All of this affects those least off, the folks who can't make it to a hospital who don't have the funds for treatment, who can't find food, who are dying of malaria and tuberculosis. 
and not to mention the people who are suffering from mental illness, who are taking their own lives by the tens of thousands. There was a doctor in April, I believe it was, March or April, at the very beginning of this in California, who stated that either his county or the state saw as many suicides in that month as they had the previous year. Something even uglier than that, there was a month early on that estimated uh, 30,000 less reports of child abuse. That's not 30,000 less children being abused. That's 30,000 children with no one to save them. They're being abused, and there are more being abused than before, if you just use common sense, with the level of stress and everything else. But there's no one there to take the call to save them. Those calls aren't being made. It's unreported. And it's growing. And there are reports out today of, of, of the vast increase in trafficking, sex trafficking in India and other places in the world. This is because of the lockdown. It's not a conspiracy at all. Again, these are reports from very left-leaning media. Or if you're on the left, unbiased media, if that's, if that's how you view them. This is who, who I'm quoting. I haven't even brought up the business owners in this country and in others that have had their dreams destroyed. Tens of thousands of business owners who maybe some of them, you know, put up that shingle last year. Maybe it was a very brief dream. But there are absolutely others that worked for decades to create what they had made. Decades of sacrifice, of long hours, of time away from their, their spouse, their kids, and doing other fun things that they gladly did to sacrifice in order to build what they built, small business, especially restaurants out there who were already operating on a you know, <laughs> 2 to 5% profit margin, barely making it as it is in one of the toughest industries. And we told them that they weren't worth it. We told them they weren't essential. And now there are tens of thousands of businesses that have shuttered their doors permanently. People who have lost their jobs, people who have lost their livelihoods, and that number is only going to climb when some of the aid that they've been receiving runs out. These are lives. As I've said, these are livelihoods. And in the blink of an eye, decades of work have been wiped off the canvas by people who believe they have the power to do so and are doing so self-righteously, believing maybe that they're saving lives. But as we just went over, if we look at those numbers, if we look at details, if we consider the unbiased facts from sources that are not from some right-wing conspiracy, we see that the number, first off, of deaths 
is really much lower than we're being told. The vast majority were nursing homes, folks who had eight months or less to live, and a great deal of misclassified deaths, and I don't fault the hospitals at all. They had monetary incentives to classify things as COVID from the state. I don't fault them, but they did so. And so the numbers were greatly inflated. So the death number we can, I think, confidently, easily cut in half when we're considering the history of Western medicine and how we classify infectious disease deaths and what has really transpired over the the previous few months here. And then we look at the consequences that we've just listed and gone over, and there are many more. And we consider, is the cure worse than the disease? I don't care who said it first. I don't care what that question makes you feel, who it makes you think about. There is a 40% job loss among people that are earning less than $40,000 a year. 40%. It is hitting those who can take it the least. These are the people that you on the left are supposed to care the most about, and I am pleading with you. I am begging you to consider them, to consider those folks who are below the poverty line or maybe just above, those folks who are in third world countries across the globe, those people who are being hit the hardest with these restrictions. And I beg you to look into the charts and the data when it comes to lockdowns. There is clear evidence now that it does very little. You look at when lockdowns were put in place versus the graph of the curve of cases and of deaths in different states and different countries, and you find zero correlation. The same can be said for mask mandates little or zero correlation. This is real data. This is science looking into it constantly. Science is constantly changing. It is not static. It was always moving. We have to move with it. We have to always look at it and update ourselves. We can't be stuck. We can't be ice in a glass, immovable. We have to be water. If we cling to a bias, if we allow ourselves to be politicized, we're part of the problem. We're not helping these folks. We're not helping our society or our, our culture to move forward or to deal with this or anything else. We're part of the problem. We're in the way. This is affecting too many people. It is affecting too many lives. It's affecting too many livelihoods. We have to look at this unbiasedly. We have to look at the data that's before us, and there is plenty of it. Don't take it from me. Look it up. But do so unbiasedly. Do so trying to seek truth wherever it may lead you, not simply to confirm your bias. So this presented a, a perfect opportunity to look at what has occurred over the past few months. Again, 200,000 deaths. Um, it's all that you'll hear about in the news in <laughs> for, for I don't know how long, days, weeks, whatever it may be. Um, expect uh, a lot of fear with regard to a potential second wave or whatever language may be used. And just look at the data. Ground yourself. 
Free yourself from any bias. Seek truth wherever it may lead. There are people whose lives and livelihoods are being affected and lost every day because of this. The data does not pan out. You have folks in the, in the CDC and the WHO. You have infectious disease doctors at Harvard and Yale who are screaming at the top of their lungs, lockdown is not the way. We are killing people. This should not be the way. Look at other places. Look at other states. Look at, look at Sweden. No lockdown, folks walking around outside, no masks, free. And uh, without getting into the, into the weeds too much, and this goes on too long, you know, you talk about herd immunity, which is, is now some, like, dog whistle for some right-wing uh, conspiracy theory. No, herd immunity is a factual occurrence, scientific occurrence that happens with all infectious disease that has been the science for as long as we've known it to exist. It, it is in no way some conspiracy. Now, whether you agree with the fact, agree with an approach that people should, that, you know, a state or a country should just seek herd immunity as quickly as possible, uh, your prerogative of whether or not, judging by the data and the evidence and the historical evidence of disease that you've looked at, you think that that should be the approach. It's not what we're talking about here, okay? It's, it's a real thing. Um, and there's a good deal of evidence coming out, which is good news and it should be celebrated, that we're, we're not seeing that herd immunity through infection of 50, 60, 70 plus percent of the population being infected, but much lower, 10, 15, 20 percent seems to be that max that we reach in different communities, whether it be a city, whether it be a state, whether it be a country. And that is the number, that is the range of historical T-cell immunity which is, again, not some conspiracy. This is a real thing. This is science. And that, is, that, that would be fantastic news if that panned out because that means that far fewer people need to be infected. And maybe lastly here, please stop fretting about the New Day's report on the number of cases for multiple reasons. Cases can be good news because it could be reaching us toward herd immunity. Maybe that sounds horrible to you because you think cases, you think people are suffering. But the vast majority of people who have the disease or who are infected by the virus have absolutely zero symptoms. Again, 0 to 19, 99.997% chance of survival. 20 to 49, 99.98% chance of survival. 50 to 69, 99.5% chance of survival, 70 plus, 94.6. But again, we've went over why that number is what it is. Okay. Vast majority of folks, asymptomatic, don't have any problem. And these tests, two things about them. One, these PCR tests, some estimate up to 50% false positive. Insane. Number two, people are, are tested twice. Once, you get a positive. The next time, you see if you get another positive, and then you're really positive. But if that second test comes back negative, they're not scrubbing that first one. They're still counting that as a positive test. And as far as I can tell, if that second one comes back positive as well, you've got two positives, not just one. And that's going into the data. That's why it's so important to not just have a bias and jump on whatever is convenient for us to hold a, a political position. Get your identity out of the equation. 
Do not identify with a side. Identity is the killer. If you identify with, uh, you know, with a side that is pro-mask, pro-whatever, then you're going to jump at whatever number, whatever data comes out that confirms your bias, and you're going to yell it out into the universe as loud as you can, but you're not actually going to look at it. And on the other side, if you're anti-mask, anti-lockdown, etc., if that's all you do, you're going to also look to confirm your bias. Get rid of your identity. Whether your identity is Republican or Democrat, left or right, pro-mask, anti-mask, pro-lockdown, anti-lockdown, it doesn't matter what it is, get rid of it. We have to get rid of our identities. We have to shed them because all they do is they blind us. We have to seek truth wherever it may lead, unbiasedly, to the best of our ability. We're not always going to be right. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to go down a rabbit trail. We're going to find out that that was wrong. But the most important thing is that as soon as we find out it's wrong, we pivot. We don't keep going just because we spent so much time down that trail. And for all of you folks that have been pro-lockdown, I'm speaking to you. If you've spent months believing something and going down a certain path, and the evidence stacks up if you look at it to point to a different path, take it. Especially if it's actually good news. Especially if it's going to save millions of people from jumping into starvation, excess poverty, etc. But don't keep going down the path just because you've been walking down that path for however long it is. In this case, maximum a number of months. But really, that's not true. It could be a lifetime because it's politicized. And so certain sides have been you know, assigned to different parties, left, right, whatever it may be. So really, to simplify it, it's easy to say if you're pro-lockdown, that aligns with your, maybe it's a Democrat or it's a left, ideology and identity. So maybe it's been a lifetime of identity. Uncouple yourself from that. Uncouple your opinion and your position with regard to this from any identity. And look at all the data that we just went over. Look at it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Look at the New York Times. Look at the UN. Look at the World Bank. Look at all of the individual reports from around the country and around the world of individuals losing their livelihoods and their lives. And care as much as I know you do. This cannot go on. We have to live our lives. We have to save these people. We have to open up intelligently. We can't allow folks in these positions of power to dictate our lives and to continue us down this path that is, that it is damaging so many people, especially those that are least off. We have to do it for them. So, 200,000 deaths, a good time to reflect, take a look at it. Most importantly, uncouple yourself from identity, erase it, release it. Be independent, that is where the power is.